This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. So this conversation is with Dan Such, the director of CAST, the Centre for Accelerating Social Technology. Um, And also Dan is involved with Catalyst, which is a collaborative of philanthropic funders who are interested in issues around technology and sort of digital civil society. And Dan and I caught up to talk about the work that he's been doing with with CAST and Catalyst, uh, helping to utilise data and technology to combat COVID-19 so far. And we also talked about some of the sort of opportunities and challenges that have been presented by the enforced shift to digital that many organisations have been going through. So here's Dan. Okay, great. I'm here with Dan Such. Hi, Dan. Good afternoon, Rodri. Uh, and Dan, uh, well, you do a, a couple of different things, but I mean, you're you're best known for working with CAS, the um, Social Good Tech Accelerator, but you're more here today with your Catalyst hat on. So maybe you could start sort of just explaining a bit about what that is and kind of what you've been doing in these early stages of of responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. A- absolutely. Thank you. Well, well Catalyst is a, a collective of digital organisations, data organisations, design organisations, uh, foundations and charities and the UK governments trying to find a, a collective response to how we can support the sector um, in this current crisis. Um, for the last year or so, Catalyst has been a, a, um, a way of trying to bring back collective impact where data digital design meets the needs of, of charities and the way in which they can support their communities. Um, and for the past year or so, we've been developing networks and kind of infrastructure, kind of ways of supporting charities with 800 charities over the last year. But um, building on the strength of those relationships and kind of the way in which that works. Catalyst now is trying to understand how we can best support um, hundreds of charities, if not thousands of charities, almost immediately to understand how they can use digital data and design in their work to address significant challenges. Great. And and sort of what what so far have has your role been um, in kind of uh, responding to what's going on uh in terms of, of the kind of kind of current crisis we find ourselves in is it is it sort of i know there are lots of issues around organizations having extremely severe short-term funding needs but there are also kind of other things i think that are interesting about how we coordinate some of the activity that is already happening and the resources that are coming flooding in so kind of what which bits of those are you focusing on yeah all, all of them <laughs> so if i break down uh perhaps kind of the three big things that the catalyst is doing so the first is I would call it insights because we're collecting um, in the most open and kind of transparent way as much of the, under, the, the data and information around the needs of the sector as, as possible. And that's data that's coming from organisations like NCBO and SCBO and Small Charities Coalition plus Deep Research. And that's um, been kind of aggregated so that as a, as a sector we can have a view of what the most significant needs are so that, so that individually and collectively we can prioritise those needs and, and address them. That, that's the first. And, and from a catalyst perspective, we'll then look at that, that kind of needs data and think, how can the, the best uh, capacity of digital data and design best be used to address the, those, those needs? So that, that's the first piece. Um, the, the second is, is called capacity, is mapping the, uh, mapping the existing resources, the teams, the organisations who have digital data and design expertise, and how they can provide support to address those needs. 
and the intention of bringing those two things together is then this last piece, which is called a response, which is kind of mobilizing the response, linking the best place capacity to the highest priority needs. Um, that sounds really kind of highfalutin across those three areas, but essentially if we don't have really good insight into the, the needs of the sector, then in a way that's collective, then we're going to respond in a piecemeal way, uh, perhaps to things that are less important than, than, than others. If we don't have a really good kind of view of the, the capacity of the resources that, and the support that's available and the teams that are available, then we're going to risk unnecessary, unnecessary duplication. And, and one of the real values of Catalyst being a collection, not just of teams and charities, but also of funders, it means as we put together those responses, we can have the best place teams with the highest priority needs and fund them to find those solutions in a way that can support much wider, um, wider use rather than just kind of one charity at a time. And for me, that's the bit that gets most exciting is that we're doing this in a very kind of open and collective way, which means that we're beginning to kind of build the infrastructure that allows us to respond collectively to the challenges as they're identified. Yeah, I mean, it sounds fascinating. It's one of the one of the things I mean, looking, taking a long view of kind of uh, philanthropy or voluntary action as a whole is that is that it isn't noted generally for its degree of coordination, because it's one of those things that kind of it, it's driven by the the individual desires of people or kind of single organizations working in, in isolation. And actually what you get is a lot of duplication or, or people kind of working sometimes across purposes or not kind of maximizing the value of what they do. And obviously, yeah, I mean, it sounds like helping organizations to coordinate could really go a long way in, in addressing some of those issues. In terms of how that actually manifests into, into changing behavior, is it just kind of with the organizations that are part of the whole um, kind of, kind of catalyst umbrella at the moment or are you finding ways to use the information that you're getting to inform others i guess i guess two parts actually the first is the catalyst network needs to be kind of open and grow and we've seen a huge response already of charities and these supports coming into kind of to, to, to the network of digital agencies and teams who are looking to provide that support coming into it too and other funders as well um i guess one one of the values of the kind of the insights piece to begin with is recognizing that if we can kind of everyone has lots of different views of the challenges and the needs that are emerging but if we can kind of bring them together we can contextualize them or we can have a richer kind of deeper data set that, can, that more people can interrogate more people can, can look at and then catalyst itself is then prioritizing that based on where we think digital data design can best address those needs but because we have that collective data set it can also be used by others well beyond the the, the catalyst network to use within their own work i suppose one example although they're they're firmly part of Catalyst is NCBO, where we, we know from the data that clearly one of the biggest challenges that charities are facing is huge shortfalls in, fund, in, in funding, worrying about how to uh, you know, ensure people have salaries and they can continue delivering their services. Well, parts of that isn't something that, that digital can, can really help with, but NCBO are really well placed to take that insight and to present it to those who can help. And so, and so uh, the, um, both the kind of the capacity mapping and the insight work is absolutely kind of targeted at creating something that many, many people can use. And then the Catalyst Network itself is then thinking specifically about the opportunities and the role of digital data and design in providing the best, the best solutions. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of that, that latter point, I mean, in a way, it feels as though the, the current situation we find ourselves in when everybody's kind of stuck in their home, working from home or self-isolating, actually people who are accustomed to that and may work in a, in a digital way and, and are able to kind of continue doing design work might be very well placed to actually continue to do meaningful work. Are you finding that, that those sorts of people in your networks um, kind of are in high demand? And are, are you doing anything to kind of draw on 
on their capacity at the moment because it strikes me there might be quite a lot of kind of potential untapped capacity at the moment that could be there could be a sort of matchmaking role of putting them in in touch with organizations that could uh could make use of those skills it's it's exactly that and i think um many of the many of the arguments have been made within the cashless network for for over a year now about the opportunities to use digital data design to become a more responsive and resilient sector um, and, and now being played out in many ways that the, the, the organizations that are familiar with these ways of working that have thought about how people in their in their communities are using digital are able to respond to them more, more quickly um, and yet we've also now got this capacity of people who are familiar with those ways of working and they can support charities uh, over the last few weeks you know, there was a huge rush maybe kind of two weeks ago as charities were trying to understand what business continuity looks like so how you can use Zoom or other video conferencing calls, how you access files when you work from home, all those sorts of things. We're now seeing lots of, um, kind of demand for spot around moving services online to either be wholly online or to be blended services and all the challenges that come with that. And then and the next kind of iteration of that, the next kind of phase of that is not just how do we do this stuff at a distance online, but how do we do that well? And I think it's it's that that last part, which is how we can learn from the from the communities within Catalyst who do this stuff well already who have great expertise in kind of supporting charities to do it. And when we do it well, it's not just supporting individual charities to respond, to, to start using digital and data and design in their work, but it also be, it's doing it in a way which creates essentially a, a new infrastructure for other charities and other organisations to, to use as part of their response. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I, uh, I guess it's sort of going to what you, you say there. It strikes me a lot of organisations, as you say, have had to sort of suddenly pivot to working online in a way that, that many of them might not have been accustomed to. And there's kind of there's one set of challenges which are just about trying to help them in the immediate short term to to do that. And then there's a whole load of kind of medium and longer term questions about whether to what extent they continue using those tools or a blend of those tools and, and kind of offline tools what what's the sort of division at the moment in terms of your thinking and resources between just helping them kind of find out how to use zoom in the immediate short term and thinking through hang on a minute you know how how might we kind of reshape what we do the other side of this crisis i i think um in terms of how we're it, it's it's both concurrently and it's something that um uh the kind of the tech for good community have done for a long time which is how you balance kind of short-term needs with long-term aspirations um, at, the, at the moment, you're right. There's there's so much demand for for what we might consider kind of relatively kind of basic digital skills or, or kind of basic infrastructure and how to use it well. In fact, one of the first things that that was was shared from from Small Charities Coalition, a whole suite of resources around how to kind of choose the best video conferencing, then really simply how to, how to use it and then how to use it well. And there, there's still absolutely demand for that, but there's also now more and more resources to support that that support that that kind of demand. It's it's the next bit I think, which is um, where there's a particular opportunity, and and the the the, the reason there's such an opportunity is you, for the, for the next few months, who knows how long, many of these services are going to have to be delivered online or at least in a blended way, using you know, new volunteers or, or new routes to support those who are most vulnerable. The opportunity is the way in which we start solving those problems. It is creating the the sorts of open and shared infrastructure that allows our sex to become more responsive. And, and the reason that's so important, I was, I was kind of reflecting on the conversation you had with Fran and Will about this being a, a, a once-in-a-generation crisis or a generation-defining crisis. I think that's right. But we also have lots of weak signals and pretty hard signals for, from the environmental groups that are saying this kind of responding to huge crises is going to become something that's perhaps more, more 
can happen more often and for, to ensure that the charities and, and civil se sector can continually respond to these changes and, and create the most vital kind of support for our communities and individuals means that the way in which we address these challenges now has to do it has to be done in a way that ensures we can we can do it again yeah absolutely and i think that you know as people i mean i don't think most people are able to to think you know ahead to the medium term at the moment let alone the longer term but i do think we need to start talking and thinking as you say about questions of how we you know restructure or equip civil society or the charity sector to have resilience against these kinds of these kinds of shocks in the future and and also i think how we make sure that we have more of an ongoing capacity for foresight so that we don't get taken by surprise in in quite the way that we seem to have been by this particular crisis which you know maybe is kind of unprecedented in nature and scale but actually um i was talking to cassie robinson and the other day from lottery fund about this and, and we were sort of saying actually you know, lots of people have been saying civil society should be playing more of a role in kind of foresight and spotting weak signals. And actually, this seems like a kind of argument in favour of that, that being ever more important than, than before. So it'll be interesting to see whether funders and others start kind of thinking about some of that uh, medium and longer term uh, stuff as well as, as the immediate short term. I, I think that, that that's absolutely right. And, it, and it's worth, I think it's worth saying that one of the reasons that, that the catalysts collective being able to respond so quickly to this and to start thinking about those kind of medium-term long-term challenges is because there are sets of kind of relationships and foundations and activities that have come about because many 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 funders are already thinking about this stuff and it certainly takes time and there's now so much more urgency and and, uh, and focus on it but the, the organizations that that founded uh, founded catalyst are those who who are aware that the significant pressures on the sector from from new behaviors around digital from, from the kind of potential of, of new shocks means we have to find ways for the sector to be more resilient and more responsive to change. And so whilst um, Catalyst set up with a five-year ambition to support something like 40,000 charities, and that now has become a, an ambition to support at least 40,000 charities over the next five months or so, the foundations mean that, we, we, that, that there is already some commitment and some, some work to thinking about these, these longer-term shocks uh, and how we can respond to them. And luckily, or, or <laughs> through wonderful planning that means there's now this collective who's able to help charities respond to it in the short term too yeah and that that's great one of, one of the things i wanted to ask you about actually in terms of your the work you're doing or thinking about one of one of the things that is not unique to to this current crisis but again seems to have been brought to the forefront is the, the increasing prominence of sort of informal voluntary activity and new organizational forms sort of networks and more kind of grassroots movements where people are kind of connected uh, on on the internet or kind of using uh, communications technology of that kind uh, and there are sort of questions about how that fits in with the traditional sector and how funders interact with them is that is that something that the the organizations involved in catalyst are thinking about and how what that might look like after we get out the other side of this crisis yeah absolutely in terms of what the um in terms of what's going on right now that there's a, a recognition there's a, a, a new sorts of relationships required or, or at least put under the spotlight between um kind of movements and, and kind of people-led uh, activity formal organizations like charities but also uh, local authorities and councils all of whom are trying to figure out how to sense and respond to this kind of changing environment and there's probably even a, a stronger recognition now because there's so much um like physical separation between those and who can act in what ways that, that these new forms of relationships are beginning to, to to be created 
um, charities desperately now looking for new ways of mobilising the volunteers that have come to them because they have local connections, they no longer have local authorities doing the same. And I, I don't think um, I, I would be bold enough in, what are we, week three, week four, to say how I think this will play out. But what I do think is already quite, quite perhaps obvious is that the civil society and the structures that we had um, with the estimated 10 billion shortfall that's going to happen, but however it bounces back, it will not be the same as it was. The question is how to bring about the kind of the most preferable future, how to bring out the civil society that we want to see. And that is about identifying kind of what, how those relationships can work now within crisis and how we can sustain them beyond it. But then also kind of what are the new forms of, uh, kind of infrastructure or new forms of, kind of uh, connectivity and collaborations, which we can make best use of within a crisis now, but also that we put time into making sure they sustain beyond it too. Mm, absolutely. Um, there, there was something else I wanted to ask you about in terms of the, the work you're doing as well, is it, it strikes me there's there's a sort of a vibrant existing field of, of tech for good and also kind of an increasing number of civil society organisations and funders understanding the potential of using technology beneficially. But th there is, you know, there has been for a while a kind of other strand of work, which is organisations recognising some of the kind of negative unintended consequences of tech. And, and up to now, it seemed to me that was quite a sort of niche interest and actually that bothered me slightly because I think there are more civil society organizations that should engage with it but it but one flip side of the fact that a lot of organizations are suddenly having to kind of pile into a digital environment and work in that way it strikes me is firstly they might become more aware of those issues but also I wonder whether there are some of the risks associated with organizations using online tools without kind of understanding some of the challenges around data ownership and, and cybersecurity and privacy and those kinds of things might become more pressing. Are, th are those things that you're hearing anybody be concerned about? Or are you sort of thinking about how you might inform organisations that aren't used to this environment? P people are definitely worried about that already. Um, some using platforms they're not familiar with, just because that's where their, their communities now are. Uh, some thinking about, uh, I mean, clearly safeguarding is a huge issue, um, whether that's delivering a service online or connecting to new volunteers who, who, who are now available and you don't know them. Um, and then also that you're absolutely right runs to data and, and particularly unintended consequences of very rapidly creating services that, that um, can help you in a crisis situation. But then also you have to think about how they sustain and what happens in, in the longer term. So there's lots of kind of concern and people kind of worrying about it. Um, so you're right that there's lots of support that there's a there's a, um, a great site that's part of Catalyst called Digital Candle, which uh, digitalcandle.org.uk, which is a group of uh, over 100 volunteers who have done this stuff before within the sector who are available just to talk to any charity who are trying to make sense of this stuff, just give them, giving some time to help them think this stuff through. So there's lots of kind of short-term examples. There's more on the Catalyst website of short-term support. I think I think the, um, the, uh, the, there's a traditional role of the charity sector, which is representing those who are furthest from power and holding, holding kind of power to account. As technology is having, especially now, even more influence over our lives and is providing even more of a kind of the landscape in which we're operating, there's a role for charities to continue to fulfil that role, but in a new way, which is how do we think about the unintended consequences? How do we hold tech companies to account and make sure it works for everyone? And how do we ensure that as a sector, we have the strongest voice in representing those communities? And as we think about kind of the, the way in which technology is changing our sector, one absolutely is how we fulfil that role and the role of leaders within our sector. So there's a that this kind of very rapid experience of making sense of digital data and design within our organisations and within our work is going to have some consequences where we're going to have to reflect on how we can now have a bigger role in ensuring we have the infrastructure where civil society can play out well. Yeah, 
absolutely amen to to that i agree wholeheartedly and um, and obviously we talked there you know about some of the the potential challenges and there are going to be a lot of challenges for uh, you know civil society over the coming months i would imagine and beyond that but what have you seen so far in this kind of immediate short term period that most gives you hope or optimism that that civil society is is going to to kind of get through this this storm and, and hopefully come out stronger on the other side there, there, there are so many things and I, I know there's so much kind of worry around there but when when um there, there are so many examples of of new people ready to volunteer putting their hand up to support their communities being worried about others who perhaps wouldn't have gone through traditional volunteering routes but are now seeing this huge surge and that's that's really exciting that's a a new way of thinking about civil society We've got uh, within from a capitalist lens, we've got all of these organisations, over 50 in the last week or so, kind of signing up to say that we want to provide our capacity to support amazing charities to do work through digital tech and design. And, and that again shows this kind of this swell of people who want to provide their support to, to kind of really meaningful and purposeful work. And actually, if I can give one uh, very specific example, in the last few days, I um, was involved in a meeting with, with uh, five different digital agencies who were looking at a piece of work to, um, to, to support a charity. Uh, and one of the most heartwarming things was as they discussed openly how to, how to respond to this, four of them stood back and pointed to another organisation and said, you're the best place to do this. We're going to focus our resources elsewhere. And at a time where organisations are worried about their own future and, and you know, payroll and worried about how they're going to survive, for organisations to be more committed to a, to a common goal and a collective ambition than individual or organisational needs um, is something that, that I think helps recognise that we're now going to drive a new way of kind of uh, of working together. And, uh, and and it's generally, we're seeing examples already. And the more examples we can see, the stronger we can rebuild civil society. Absolutely. And that's a very optimistic note on which to finish. Um, just just remain to say thanks ever so much, Dan, for finding some time to, to come on the podcast. It's been, it's been great to have a chance to to chat to you um and again you know it would be great at some point sort of further down the line when we're at the other side of this maybe to to catch up and get you on so we can have a conversation that's not quite so so dominated by coronavirus i'd love that thank you very much